welcome to the Destination Begin podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Smith. I've lost over 250 pounds. I've started my life over multiple times and managed to find humor, lessons, and joy in the process. And now I'm here sharing those stories with you. Thanks for joining me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm so happy you're here and I will be even happier when you reach out to me and talk to me. <laughs> um, someone just came to the beach today for Miami Beach Boot Camp. Someone who found the podcast a long time ago because of the 75 Hard episode, which is the most popular episode that I've ever done, um, and came to the beach and uh, was she was acting like I was somebody like cool. <laughs> I have a fan. Susan came from Chicago and I. it was so, so awesome to meet somebody who doesn't know me except she found me via the podcast. And it just lit me up because I record these podcasts. I put them out there. I see the numbers roll in every time I, you know, they're listened, it's listened to. And I wonder who are these people? And sometimes I hear, I hear from a handful of you regularly, um, which is really nice. I usually hear from Cheryl. I'll hear from Molly B, although I know that's not your real name, although I forgot what your real name is. I'm sorry. Um, I usually get some feedback from, uh, you know, I don't know, a dozen or so, but there's hundreds of listens every week. And I'm like, who are they? And what do they think? And so it was really cool. Susan came to boot camp, was all fan, fangirling me. And it was just, it was so flattering. And we had a great workout and it just made my whole, it made my day, but even more than that, because I do this podcast, it's a passion project. I want my story to matter for more than just my life. And that is my heart and soul. That's why I do this. I get pennies per episode. This is not a money-making venture. Um, and it takes a lot of time and I do it because I love it and because I want the things I go through in my life, the things I have been through, the things I'm learning, I want them to count for more than just me. And if that happens, then it makes everything worth it. So I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from each and every one of you. How did you find me? What do you like about the podcast? Is there anything specific that you've learned? Is there anything that you want me to talk about? And um, just let me know who you are. I want to know you. It's, uh, it's, it just lights me up. This I'm just a person sitting in my living room, talking into my phone and putting it out there. That's all. <laughs> and, and I would just love to hear from you. So it was so great to meet you, Susan. Um, it just, I don't know. There aren't words to describe how, how much joy it gave me. It, you made me feel like Beyonce, you know, like I'm a celebrity, which is really funny, uh, but it meant a lot to me. So welcome to the episode reach out to me and talk to me. I'm going to tell you what's been going on. So this podcast format, now that I'm podcasting every week, um, it's kind of set into a little rhythm here. So if you don't like it, I'm sorry. It's just what I'm doing. Um, dedicated to do an episode a week, including the destination date spinoff. So there wasn't an episode last Sunday because I had done a destination date episode, which is a new thing. It's a spinoff. I'm dating. I'm really having fun with it now that I've turned it into, you know, an attempt to get podcast material. And so when I go on some dates, I'm going to be doing separate episodes to talk about them. I don't know yet if I have a really good date, if I'm going to talk about it on the podcast, because I don't necessarily, you know, if something's going well, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it by putting in the podcast. And, um, I don't know. I don't want people to not date me because I have a podcast, but 
there's going to be an episode very soon because I had a date a couple weeks ago that I have as yet to talk about that is pretty funny. So um, I always go for the humor angle on this stuff. So, um, But it's been a little while since I updated you on my life, so I'm going to gloss over some of it because uh, some of you really don't like this part. And some of you, this is the only reason you're here. So I went and saw my parents a couple weekends ago two weekends ago, they spent a couple of months down here in Florida on the Gulf side of the state over near Sarasota. And so a couple of hours in the car gets me to see my parents instead of a couple of hours in an airplane and then going in the cold to see my parents in Minnesota. So I popped in the car last Sunday and drove over and saw my parents. It was so nice to see them. Um, My sister's amazing. She's been coming down a lot and spending a lot of time with them, taking my dad to do a lot of fun things. My dad doesn't get out a whole lot and left to his own devices. He wouldn't go to a lot of places. He's got some limited mobility. He's got some pain in, you know, his his hips and his knees. And um, my sister's really great. She wants to get daddy out to have some fun. And my mom doesn't care to do a lot of those things, so she ends up staying behind. And I don't know if it's happily or not, but... I I let her know. I'm like, hey, you know, Rachel's been coming down a lot and taking daddy to do stuff. I want to just spend a little time with you. So when I got into town, unfortunately, I got there a little later than I wanted. But the downtown area and the town they were in of Venice, that's a cute little main street. And so my mom and I went and just strolled through some shops and looked at some cute things and something I haven't done with my mom in a really long time. And it was just so nice. I'm just, um, I'm loving just the chance to connect with my parents again. And, um, I brought my mom an iPad because I want her to be able to, you know, video call and FaceTime and she doesn't have a smartphone. So this is what's super cool is it's an iPad and there's a lot of people in their 70s that are scared of technology. And, you know, there's a lot to learn if you've never used an Apple product before and you handed an iPad, just knowing where stuff is and what it looks like and the interface is new. My mom is the smartest person I know, like legit. And she's not scared of technology. She's not scared of anything. Her motto in all the things is always, I can figure this out. Everything is figure outable. There's actually a book by that title. Um, and so it was just fun. Sit down with an iPad, showing her some of the basics. Boom, no issue. Bam, she just learned it. Uh, you know, and she's, how old is she? She's 72-ish, I think. 72, soon to be. And just totally comfortable with technology. She still works. She works uh, in the office where my sister works and she's a rock star. So I don't know. It just made me proud. Like, yeah, this is my mom. This is, this is where I came from. Super smart. So it was really fun to, to see my parents. We went to Cracker Barrel for breakfast on Sunday morning because that's just what you do. And, um, you know, my dad is diabetic and he's got, you know, lots of just little, little health issues. Like nothing, none of these big, huge, overwhelming things, but lots of little things and things that need to be managed. He's got medication, he's, you know, the insulin, he's got all these things. And my dad isn't particularly up on taking care of those things, nor is he that concerned with staying on task. He's a little bit, um, he's just, it's just not something that he has always been on top of. I'm, I don't want to roast my dad. I love my daddy. Um, and my mom, my mom is, she's, in charge of all the stuff. My mom runs everything and she takes care of all of that. And it's frustrating because he doesn't always do it himself and she has to be the bad guy and kind of the nag. And, um, you know, we're hard on her, like be nicer to daddy, but just being there for four, for 24 hours, it's, there's so many little details that need to be handled. And my mom is on top of it and she takes care of it. 
and it's not easy and it's not fun. And, you know, my dad doesn't like that. He doesn't feel good and all of these things. It's none of it is fun. Getting old sucks, but it was just, you know, I just wanted to tell my mom, thank you for taking care of my dad. There's just so many things that I think, I mean, if, if he had to, he'd probably do it. I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to psychoanalyze the situation, but it's just sitting there at breakfast, seeing my mom, you know, did you take this or do you take that? Or, um, and I asked her some questions about his insulin and just, I don't know. I was just overwhelmed with gratitude that my mom, A, that thank God she's healthy and, and really spry and she can take care of these things. And then that she does. And, um, it just means a lot to me. My parents are, I don't know. I have not cut them any slack in any of my retellings or rememberings of anything. And, um, and I'm working on all that. And it's just amazing how when you change the, the narrative in your head and you change the, the character. So this kind of goes, the, like the analogy, I've seen little clips online where they'll show a scene from a movie. And depending on the music that is set to the scene, sets a completely different tone to what you're watching it can be a comedy it can be a horror show it can be suspense just based on the kind of music that's put in the background and I think that applies to when we look at our life story when we look at our past I really see that in myself now looking at my parents I'm putting a different soundtrack to my memories of them and to my perspective on them and it changes my experience with them it changes how my heart feels with them and it's been it's been the greatest gift I've given myself. It's nothing to do. They didn't, they weren't aware of any of the thoughts or feelings I had. It didn't stop them from living their life, but it sure did impact me. And so setting myself free, um, is been possible and it's just created so much joy. So, um, I really loved getting that little, little nugget of time with them. It wasn't enough. Um, I've managed to go from a situation in Minnesota when I lived there where I had complete autonomy, could work from home, I had unlimited PTO, I had one job, my time was my own, and now I've moved to Florida, I've started these businesses and all these things, and now I'm completely tied down. It's really hard to get away. It's wonderful, but it's kind of funny. So anyway, buzz back to the beach just in time to go and pick up the love of my life, Mr. Gustavo, Gustavo the Multipoo. Multipoo. Um, I wanted a puppy. I actually wanted Riggs. I wanted to go get my dog. I have a dog. He's in Minnesota. A lot of you are familiar with Riggs. Um, when I was married before to Greg, we got a puppy, a little Cavapoo, because um, we both been married before. We both had, had kids before. We weren't going to have kids together. And he had two boys. And so, you know, we got a dog together and we got Riggin when he was a puppy and it was so much fun to have a puppy. And um, Derek at the time, I think he was, mm, I don't know how old he was, nine or 10. And so we all raised this little puppy together and it was, Riggs is just the best dog. And when Greg and I split, I took Riggs with me for a long period of time while things were kind of unstable. And then when things got better, um, we started sharing him. And that was great. And I even moved to Florida and brought him down here. And then I would bring him back to Minnesota for a little while. And we kind of shared the dog. And as Derek, my stepson, got older, the dog has become kind of his dog. And I had sent, uh, I brought Riggs back last August. His life here was so busy and crazy. And having a dog was just really tough. And it was time for them to have some time with Riggs. And, um, and then after the first of the year, it's like, wow, I really, I really miss having 
energy in my house. I go out, I do boot camp, I coach people, I'm at events, I'm doing things all the time, and then I come home and it just stops and it's just quiet. And I was feeling really just really sad and lonesome and just wanting some companionship. And so I thought about getting a puppy and then I thought, "Uh, I'll just go get my dog. He's trained. I love him. I'll just go back to Minnesota and get him for a little while. So that was my intention. But my stepson, Derek is 15 now and that is his dog and he loves Riggs and they, you know, he has a wonderful life in Minnesota and kind of had thought maybe he would stay in Minnesota anyway and um, got there and just decided, you know what? I think it's best if Riggs stays here. Um, Greg asserted that, and I was really, really sad, but it certainly was true. Um, Derek Derek just needs his dog. So I came back empty-handed and decided, you know what, I'm going to get a dog for me. I've always wanted a little tiny dog, one that I could bring everywhere, one that was small. And Regan wasn't big. He's 20 pounds, but you know he was bigger because he the boys wanted to play with him. I don't need a rough and tumble doggy. I need a little pocket doggy. And so I did some looking online and I found um, Gustavo, this little multi-poo. He's four pounds. He's a Maltese and poodle mix and he's a soft, sweet little baby. And um, went and picked him up on Tuesday. And I'm telling you, it was uh, it was two twenty two twenty two. So it was the angel number day. Really significant day. And um, I was supposed to meet uh, Gus's mom at around two o'clock and I was late. I couldn't figure out how to get where I was going. And anyway, I pulled up, found her, got out of the car. She handed my little baby to me and it was 2.22 PM on 2.22.22, just coincidentally. And I saw his little face and I just said, oh, I needed you. And he looked at me and I'm pretty sure his little puppy heart said, I needed you too. And he's just, he's a little snuggle bug. He's white. He looks like the emoji for puppy. If you, <laughs> if you see the little puppy emoji, that's what he looks like. So I had a little car seat for him for the front seat of my car because I have a two-seater and I can't have a puppy crawling all over. It's not safe. So I clipped him in there and then it was torture to drive back to Miami in 40 minutes in traffic while he's sitting there, you know, looking at me, trying to get out. He was so cute and I couldn't even touch him or play with him or anything, but got him home and introduced him to his new world here. And it's just been the best. He's already puppy pad trained. Um, we did a couple of sleepless nights where I had him sleeping in his playpen and he just cried and cried and it was awful. And so, uh, he now sleeps with me. That's just, I don't even know why I tried. He snuggles up next to me on my pillow. He sleeps through the night. He's clean. I bathe. I've already bathed him twice. Um, and you know, why not? He's my little baby dog. He's four pounds. We went to the vet. He checked out everything checked out. Um, he can't go outside and be on the ground around other dogs till he gets his next round of shots on the 10th. So I wear him in a little sling around my neck. He comes to boot camp. He comes to as many training clients as I can possibly bring him to. A lot of the gyms don't let me bring a dog in there because they're not nice. But he's the best. He snuggles in. And then when I set him on the floor, he's a fierce, ferocious puppy who is so playful and so fun. Today we're working on come and sit. And he's doing really well with training. He's really smart. So... I have the little companion that just filled that little void that I needed. I just need, I need something that's just mine. Um, I need a, I need a little, I needed a little Gus. So I named him Gus. 
but because it's Miami, he needed a Latin name, so it's Gustavo, and Gustavo was the driver in Rio when I went this last November that really stole my heart. He was so sweet and so kind. It kept me safe and um, drove me to the airport, and he was my one Brazilian kiss, and now my little puppy is named after Gustavo, because when he's naughty and he's chewing on my sandal, it's a lot more satisfying to say, Gustavo, leave it, than just Gus, (laughs) so that has been a big, big change for me. Um, luckily, I have lots of people in the building that are happy to babysit a cute little puppy, namely his auntie Linda. She just has been such a, a he, they just he loves her and she loves him and it's been so much fun. So today is a big day. It's Saturday when I'm recording this and it is March fifth, twenty twenty two. And one year ago today was March fifth, twenty twenty one. You like that? That was so obvious. Um, But a year ago today, my life changed in such a dramatic fashion. I heard a loud, big, giant, booming orb of voice from the universe telling me it was time to leave my accounting career and go all in in this new venture here with my boot camp and my training and my personal coaching, life coaching, weight loss coaching, just to go all in. It's today. That's the message I got last year. It's today. It's today, it's today, it's today. And it was loud and there was no denying it. And I've never, ever doubted that decision. It was March 5th, a 305 day. 305 is the area code for Miami. We're in the 305. And it was March 5th that the universe loudly spoke to me. And so uh, that's actually my license plate on my car. 305, day one. And so I couldn't help but look back this morning at the last year and to see just what has happened? Yes, I left my firm and um, I've built coaching programs. I've run several group coaching programs. I've got life coaching clients. I've changed lives. I have facilitated life changes and I am absolutely beside myself with joy over that. It makes me so happy. My little life is, is meaningful in a bigger way than just for me. And that is what I have wanted and dreamed of. And I'm just so, so happy and so honored and so blessed that this calling, I honestly believe it's a calling, fell on me. And um, and I'm also a little bit ashamed because I could have done more in this past year. There's a lot of time I spent doubting, spinning my wheels, being feeling frozen, letting fear take over. Um, I have not executed perfectly. I have not executed as bravely as I wish, but um, it's day one. So off we go. So I'm going to just say right here, I need all of your help because my passion is to get my story out there. I want as many people as possible to have to reject the lie that they can't. And I want to be the reason they reject it. I want them to see all of the things and hear all of the things that I have done simply because I chose to never quit. And I want that story to defy that lie that keeps them stuck. Just like some of you have gotten unstuck through my story, I want to get that out. It is a fire burning in my belly. So I want to stand on stages and speak to crowds. I want to do online events and speak to groups online. I want to get on Clubhouse. I want to be guests on podcasts. If you have a connection to any of those things, if you can help me get any of those things done, please reach out to me. The biggest obstacle that I face is marketing and knowing how to do that piece. I don't know how. 
and I need to learn more. I'm going to learn more. But I'm asking all of you that you may know someone, you may have an event coming up that you need a speaker. You may be the person that books speakers. You may need you may need a, a story to inspire somebody in your life. I want to hear from you. I'm asking you to help me get my story out there to a bigger group. This next year, my goal is to get my story out, 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 broader, broader, louder, and to more people. Not, not to get glory for myself, but because there are people who are stuck and I want to help unstuck them. So that said, it's day one. Let's go. <laughs> Another year of uh, getting unstuck. And I want to be the, I want to be the unglue, <laughs> the unglue to get you unstuck. So that's what's happening around here. Super exciting. It's never a dull moment on Miami beach. It's spring break. So it's crazy here. Uh, I drive, most days I drive from Miami Beach where I am um, to South Beach to uh, train a client there, Nikki. And um, the traffic is, it's insane on weekdays. There's just, everyone's here. There's this big month-long Miami Live event going on. It's spring break. There are, you know, conferences, which I don't even know why you would do a conference during spring break. But it's the perfect weather. It's 80 degrees. It's sunny. It's beautiful. Lots of beach time. So, Um, if you want to take a last minute trip down to Miami beach, join everyone else because they're all here and it's wonderful. So, and if you're down here for anything, please come to the boot camp. It was so cool to see Susan this morning and we're right at mid beach. So if you come down to Miami beach, we're, uh, at 64th street. Um, Miami beach is about 128 blocks long. It's just a long, long Island. South beach is like fifth street to 20th street. And we're 64th. If that gets you a little idea, we're north of the craziness and more of a residential area, but a beautiful beach space that we run boot camp on. So would love to see you when you're here. I'm going to talk today about some of the things that hold you back in life. We all, we all have this vast amount of possibilities with what we can accomplish in our lives. And I think the people that work really, really hard to never, ever quit and go after everything, I think even those people don't get everything out of life. But there's a lot of us that leave a lot on the table. And there are are common themes and reasons for that, that I have found in my own life. When I'm not getting anywhere, I find it usually comes down to a few basic things that I got to do, that I got to adjust. And I find that I fall into those same traps And I find with a lot of clients that those same traps are true for them. So it seems to be a human thing that we have some of these traps that keep us stuck, that trap our feet, that where we don't, you know, go for the new experience, where we don't go for the task, when we don't imagine that we can do something or when we self-sabotage. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of those common things that may be holding you back as well. And again, as usual, these things are my experiences. These are my perspectives. So take what serves you and leave the rest. So a big one, a big one is about the story that you tell yourself. A lot of us, and I hear it, I see it a lot on social media in like the local neighborhood groups. Somebody should do this. Somebody should really do something about this. This is terrible. Somebody should start this organization. Somebody should send a letter to this commissioner. It's always somebody should. And I'm guilty of that too. It's We all are. I mean, when we see a, a problem, we want somebody to solve it. Well, guess what? The story is not somebody should. Often the story is I should. I see the need. I'm going to do the thing. That was very true for me when I started uh, my workouts in the parking lot in Minnesota when 
Everything was shut down because of the pandemic. All the gyms were closed. There was no group fitness. I was losing my mind. It was like somebody should just start running classes outside. And I decided to be that somebody. <laughs> and and imagine that. Like it, there was a response because I wasn't the only person who wanted it. And so when we hear in our head where somebody should, often that's the first sign that we are being called to do something, that we are being called to write that letter, to start that group, to make that move. So if you hear that in your head, somebody should, or you see a need, often you're the, the exact person who needs to do it. It started too when I wanted to do um, food drives. I love doing food drives. I love raising you know, canned goods and food and taking it to a food shelf. It's fun for me. I love the idea of feeding people who don't have enough food. I love food. So I think that's why. But uh, years ago, I had a life coach where I said, you know, I, I love I love doing a food drive. At work, I was thinking it'd be so cool. I wish that our gym would do a food drive. And she said, well, why don't you do it? I'm like, well, I mean, who am I to do it? They would look at me and say, why is she doing that? Who is she? And Sarah, my life coach, she's amazing. She's like, well, no, they won't. Why would they say that? They would probably be grateful that somebody started it. I was like, but I'm just, I'm embarrassed. I don't, I mean, who am I to say, hey, everyone, bring some food to the gym? She's like, well, who aren't you? Why, why not you? What do you, what do the qualifications have to be? Are, are people going to ask to see how are you qualified to ask us to bring food? Or are they just going to say, hey, good idea. I'm glad somebody thought of this. Here's some mac and cheese and some progresso soup. That logic had never been presented to me. And so I thought, all right, so what did it take? It took making some signs, some social media posts for the gym, and putting a bin at the gym. It took me doing all those things. The gym had enough to do. They, weren't, they didn't have the resources or the bandwidth to put this together. I said, if I do all of the work, can I do this? They said, absolutely. So social media posts, I got a big bin. I put it there. I let everybody know. Um, people brought food. Big response. I don't remember how many hundreds of pounds of food were raised, but for the first time, I got to experience the joy of, why not me? Why not me? Nobody asked me for credentials. Uh, excuse me, Kristen, are you qualified to ask for food donations? Um, do you have your certification of food drive proficiency and safety? Do you have a license for this? No. Everyone was just overwhelmingly glad that somebody did it. Because guess what? Everyone is busy and everyone has their lives. And it, they weren't called to do it. They didn't have the idea. I had the idea. So I should be the one to do it. The end. And that sparked these ideas. Huh, what else do I wish that was being done? So I started organizing groups to go and feed people at uh, Loaves and Fishes. Just a couple nights a, a month. Show up, put a hairnet on, and serve food for an hour to people that are hungry. So much fun. And all I had to do was do the social media posts you know, I started to really have to pester people. <laughs> I have 10 spots. I need 10 people to come out and serve food from 6 to 7 p.m. Here's the address. That's all I had to do. And then people came and then they were grateful. Thanks for organizing this. It was so fun to bring my kids out to do this. They otherwise wouldn't have had the opportunity, wouldn't have thought of it. It wasn't in their orbit. It wasn't on their radar. It was on my radar. So I did it. I'm not a hero. I don't get a medal for it. Again, nobody asked me for my license. I just wanted to do it, and I was the person who did it. So that's often what holds us back from really 
popping out of our comfort zone and doing things that eventually become a really big part of our self our self expression is just that answering that question well who who am i not who am i to do that well who am i not to do that why not be the person somebody should that person is you i i challenge you to accept that as the response somebody should do it whenever those words come to your lips the answer should immediately be in your mind well, that person is me and see can you just do it that thought that idea propels you out of where you are now into a whole potentially a whole new identity people associated me for a long time with the person who organized food drives hey are you going to organize another drive i want to do it hey are there any volunteering opportunities available for for your group you know i became known as the person with the volunteer group i didn't intend to do that i just wanted to do it so it changed my identity into somebody who is a volunteer coordinator boom when I started doing the workouts in, in Ramsey during the pandemic, I became a group fitness instructor. I became a community group fitness instructor. And then when I came to Miami, it was easy to do it here because it was already a part of my identity. I answered the call of somebody should. Well, then I was. So we are often held back with this idea of somebody should, somebody else should. And who am I to? Well, who are you not? <laughs> Why not you? You know, let's do the thing. So if you have something that you just are burning to do and you're stuck, maybe feeling like you're less than or you don't have the credentials, just remember, no one's going to ask you for your license unless, you know, I don't know, obviously you can't just go and set up like a clinic to like diagnose cancer. You do need a license for that. That would be weird anyway. But (laughs) you have all of the credentials you need as a human being to go be a human being. So go do all the things. Boom. All right. Moving on to productivity. This is the biggest thing for me, okay? I'm just going to be really honest. This is something that I get really good at and then I get really bad at. And so I need consistency here. But when I say productivity, what I mean is basically momentum. So when we have things that we're working on, projects, um, new ideas, businesses, um, if, if we have all of these ideas and we're trying to get all of these things done, can get very overwhelming and then we just stop or we get really fired up about something we work on it for a little while then we get busy we forget about it and it dies and so productivity is one of those things that it's, it's like a a ball that you need to be pushing up a mountain any said project or thing you're working on and productivity is getting some momentum and getting some movement on that ball and what happens is is we're pushing the ball with this great idea And then we get distracted. We have to do something else. We walk away from the ball. The ball settles into the earth, into a little, you know, looks a little mound. The ball's heavy. And then we forget about it or we come back to it and it's so hard to go, okay, what was I doing here? I don't remember. Oh my gosh. I don't even, why do I care about this? This is so hard. This is harder than I remember because now it's stuck. We've lost momentum. We've lost energy. It takes a lot to get that ball moving again. This is very common for me. I have lots of ideas and then I work on them to like 92% and then I get distracted and then I never touch it again. It's a problem. And so one of the strategies that I have employed and one that I teach myself over and again, over and again, and I teach to a lot of my clients is this idea of touching the ball every day. So 
if you have an idea, so for instance, when I started this podcast, my my enthusiasm was it for it was really, really high. And I had the goal to have an episode every week. And so if I waited a full week to think about the next week's episode, it was really hard for me to get my head back in the game. Like, what did I talk about last week? I don't even know what I'm going to be doing. And so I w- it was really tough to get momentum and to keep momentum going just week by week. And so I started to have to touch the ball every day. So I posted about my podcast. I made some notes about my podcast. I wrote some thoughts down about my next podcast. Um, I asked people what they thought. I just every single day did something involving this podcast in order to keep it front and center in my mind. And I touched the ball. You say, get the ball rolling. Well, touching the ball gives it a little tiny movement in the right direction. It's not much, but over time, it's it moves. It, it makes progress. I just started this podcast and I just continued to touch the ball episode by episode, outline by outline until eventually I had a whole year's worth of podcasts. Same with other projects. When I decided to be a certified personal trainer, it's a lot of studying. It's just a lot of material. So I read something or studied something every single day. I had to open the module every day. I had to do something in it every single day. I touched the ball. And over time, it didn't take that long. And it certainly was a lot more productive to do it over time, a little bit every day. But pretty soon, I found myself at the end of the material. I could go take the test. Boom. Certified personal trainer. Um, I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't just touched it every single day. So anything that you're working on, I talk about this analogy, this strategy for weight loss. It's really overwhelming if you have a lot of weight to lose. You only have one day at a time. Now, you can starve yourself all day. You can starve yourself for a whole week and just drink water and drop a whole bunch of weight. That's shoving the ball up the hill really, really hard. And then you're exhausted. You sit down and guess what? The ball rolls backwards and squishes you. (laughs) Versus... We got to get this ball to the top of the mountain. I'm going to touch it today. I'm going to get a little bit of movement. That's it. That's all I have to do. Maybe that's a 100 calorie deficit. Maybe it's an extra walk. Maybe it's switching out from having a burger and fries to having a chicken on a salad. It's just touching the ball. It's doing something toward the goal every day. And over time, which time passes anyway that ball will have made some progress toward the mountain. What happens is we get excited. We go gangbusters. We shove the ball up the mountain. Off we go. We have so much momentum. And then we get tired and we either walk away and do something else and that ball rolls backwards or that ball gets stuck right where it was. And so a great strategy is to take a piece of paper and write down all of the things that you're working on right now. Now, this might be a good practice in and of itself because you might find like, I have too many balls in the air, or I have too many balls lined up trying to get up the mountain. I can't possibly get all of these things up the mountain efficiently. So maybe I need to pick a few of these to focus on. So make a list of those things and make it your priority to every single day touch each of those things. Now touching it can just be doing a Google search. You know, hey, I want to, I want to, um, do this clubhouse thing. Everyone keeps talking to me about clubhouse. I don't know anything about it. I downloaded it. Okay. That's it. But so on my list, one of the days touching the ball might be listening to something on clubhouse. 
finding out what it is. <laughs> um, that, that can be touching the ball. Now I've got a little more knowledge about this. Um, practicing. With Instagram, people kept saying, you need to do reels. You need to do reels. Well, I don't know how to do a reel. So one day on my list, my, my goal was to just make a reel about something stupid. Just make one that was terrible. Who cares? Just make one. Um, I didn't need to make one and publish one and whatever. Just play with it. So that can be a small little thing to touch the ball. I need to organize my inventory for the boot camp. So you know what I'm going to do? I have the top shelf. Today, I need to at least touch that top shelf. I need to do something to it. And once I touch it, I might actually spend a little more time. But to touch that ball today would be to just touch that shelf. Do something. Move the turquoise shirt into the right pile and fold the black ones. That's enough. And over time, I will have all of this inventory organized. But I'm going to feel good about my day and what I'm getting done when I see that every day I'm making a little bit of progress on all of the projects that I have to do. And that will keep you from getting stuck. Say, okay, well, this year I want to start a business. Well, that business is never going to get started if you don't tackle those little tasks that have to be done. Register your LLC. You could do that one day. Today, all I'm going to do is pick a name. Now you've got momentum. Now it's fresh. Now you feel good about that. You're not stuck without a business name. And it can snowball. That ball starts rolling up the hill. So lack of productivity. It's one of the biggest things that keeps me stuck. Right now I have a billion projects that I want to work on. And I'm not getting much momentum on any of them. Why? Because I haven't been touching the ball every day. And so the reason I'm talking about this now is because I recently made my list of balls. And have purpose that I'm going to touch all of these balls every day and start making momentum again because it works. It's really, really powerful. I've talked about it before. It's not my idea. It comes from Andy Frisella. But if you're not familiar with the idea of the power list, this is something that's really, really awesome. I've been using it consistently again for a few months. It's awesome. Basically, you wake up every day and you write down three things on a piece of paper. It's your power list. Three things you need to get done today. It doesn't have to be big things. It can be little things like organize the top shelf of the inventory, get my oil changed, um, walk the dog, whatever it is. The three things that are going to make you feel the most momentum in your day, write them down. And when you're done, cross them off and you've won the day. And if you win the day more often than you lose the day, you're going to find that you're going to achieve and reach the things that you're trying to get you're going to self-actualize a little bit more every day because you will have momentum and the sense of satisfaction that you have gotten something done. That sense of satisfaction is so empowering and it's motivating. An object at rest wants to stay at rest. So just like those balls you're trying to roll up the mountain, you are like a giant ball. And when you're not getting anywhere, you sink into the muck. You get stuck, stuck, stuck. And there's no energy there. There's no energy any direction except maybe backwards, and that's defeating and demoralizing. But if you see that you are moving forward a little bit every day, it's so motivating. You get momentum. You want to say, hmm, maybe I could fit that one little task in before I go to bed. And now you're extra productive because you're feeling so good about that momentum. So lack of productivity, not touching your balls every day. That's one of the things that can hold you back. So touch your balls every day. <laughs> so number three on the list, things that hold you back, things that keep you stuck, the opinions and thoughts and beliefs of others. 
Now, it's obvious, oh, what other people say and think it shouldn't matter to us. Like, we can say that all day long. But when we have incredibly close relationships with people and they have cut us down, told us we're less than, etc., um, it's really, really hard to shake the opinions and the beliefs out of us that is being put on us by people we care about. Specifically, parents or exes, toxic relationships and friends. It's really hard to shake off that narrative in your head and stop defending it. And it's one thing to say, okay, yes, I, you know, I'm a successful person. But when we have somebody who's been telling us for years that we are garbage, it's not enough to just say, oh, I'm a, I'm a successful good person if we are continually upset that they believe differently. When we're upset that someone believes something that is not true about us, there's a part of us that believe them. There's a part of us that's scared they're right. And that's why it bothers us. If it doesn't bother us, then we really don't believe it at all. So, for example, if you're walking down the street and you see somebody with a sign that says the earth is flat, most of us, unless you're a flat earther, which I don't even know what to say to you, um, if you're walking down the street and you see them and they're freaking out, the earth is flat, the earth is flat, most of the time we were going to look at them and think, okay, earth is round, whatever. Uh, you're not going to be upset, run over to them and say, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you're saying this. Oh my gosh, this is not true. It is not true. The earth is round. The earth is round and I can prove it. Here's all the evidence that the earth is round. Why are you saying this? How am I going to get it through your thick skull? It's not fair. Why? I don't think any of us would waste any of our time to have that conversation. But when we are living a full, rich, beautiful, amazing life, being the greatest possible version of ourselves... And there's somebody in our life that is trying to tear us down saying, you are worthless. You're actually not smart. Without me, you're nothing. If we can look at them and say, uh, okay, you're an idiot. Truly, we don't believe what they're saying. But when it's somebody that has a little power over us and they're saying those things and we get angry and we want to defend ourselves, the reason we want to defend ourselves is because we're afraid they're right. Because we're, we want them to see us as we are, but we're afraid that they're right. We have a little bit of doubt. We have a little bit of fear that they're right. And it's so upsetting that they would have that perspective because we're like, well, wait, what? Maybe, I'm, maybe I am an imposter. Maybe I'm not as smart as I thought. Maybe I'm not as great as I thought. Maybe, I, maybe I'm less than. That was my existence with my first husband. You are nothing without me. You were not smart. You were just homeschooled. You can't do anything without me. It terrified me because I had never done anything outside of marrying him. I had no experience. And so while I knew I was smart, I, I was pretty sure he was right. I, could, I couldn't take care of myself. I, I couldn't get a job and support myself. And so I, I, didn't have, I didn't have any way except to just fight. I am smart. I am smart. I could. And I would fight and I would fight, but I knew deep inside, like, oh, maybe he's right. And it wasn't until I started the message of, I'm a rock star. I can do anything that I put my mind to. Here's all the evidence. Then when he came out with me, you can't do this. You can never leave me. You will never be anything. There's something in me that riled up and said, whatever. Yes, I can. 
and I will, and I am. And over time, his words got more and more like an annoying buzzsaw over in the corner. Whatever. Are you still talking? Because I'm over here. That's what happens when we are able to fully reject that lie about ourselves and truly stand in our truth. So how do we do this? We have to continually invest time into seeing ourselves, into convincing ourselves of our resume, reminding ourselves of what we have done, of what's inside of us, looking at our resume, starting from the time that you're a little child. I graduated kindergarten. I learned to read. I fell down a billion times. It took me longer to learn to ride a bike than anyone else, but guess what? I did it. I used to roller skate backwards. (laughs) I graduated high school. I wrote that paper and I got a decent grade on it, even though I stayed up really, really late and it was actually going to be terrible. I decided to work hard. I got that one thing done in 10th grade. I trained my dog. (laughs) I learned to drive a car. I got a college degree. Whatever it is, make a list. Start writing it down. Make an inventory of every single thing that you have done, small to large, and sit in it. Why did I do all of these things? How did I do all of these things? Because I'm tenacious. Because I'm not a quitter. Because I am smart. Because I'm industrious. Because I have a sense of fun. Because people like me. (laughs) Because I see a problem and I find a way around it if I can't get through it. All of those traits that are in you that got you to achieve that list of things. We spend some intentional time there. Now we're convinced more and more and more of our power. And when other people have this story about us, they become an annoying fly. What are you saying? What? I can't hear you. I'm over here excited about my coloring contest I won in third grade. I don't have time. What? What? Did you say something? (laughs) It's kind of like uh, we have to sit so much in our own power and and people don't want to do this because it appears self-serving and arrogant. It is not self-serving or arrogant to stand in your power. I say this over and over again. Empowered people empower others. When you walk into a room and you are fully you and you are standing tall in, in you, not pretending to be something you're not. You don't need to do that. We don't need you to be something you're not. But you walk in a room, I walk in a room fully Kristen. You know what that does? It doesn't make other people feel weak. It makes other people feel empowered to be fully them, to be fully Jessica, to be fully Sarah. Why? Because there's someone else in the room that's not afraid to be fully themselves. That's not arrogant. That's empowerment. Empowerment spurs empowerment. Standing up, just being you, just being you, not more and definitely not less. It's all we're called to do, but it's everything we're called to do. And if it takes time and practice to, to get your feet under you, to be able to understand your resume, to understand beyond a shadow of a doubt, no one's going to convince you that you're less than, then when they try to, or when you remember the things they say, it rolls off of you. It's like walking past somebody with a sign that the earth is flat. <laughs> okay, well, that's cool that you believe that. H- have a good one. <laughs> uh, to my ex-husband, you You think that I'm going to be homeless and destitute without you? Okay, well, maybe I will be, but I'll be be fine because, I mean, I know how to get up when I fall down. I know how to fold balloon animals in the park for money. I know how to work at McDonald's if I need to. I got this. I have never, ever been homeless under a bridge with nothing and no one. 
period. I'm going to figure this out. You want to believe that I'm going to be destitute and I'm going to run back to you? Okay. I know that's not going to happen. The end. So you're just annoying little fly over here saying something that is completely and totally untrue. And if it doesn't feel that way, if it scares you, I was for years completely terrified of my ex-husband. Even after we divorced, the idea of him and him and Rami, I was I was a weak, trembling person because I still was not convinced that he wasn't right. It took years, years and years of completely and totally convincing myself of my power, looking at the evidence, making more until I could be in a room with him and completely hold my own because I still believed it a little bit. I was so convinced of my worthlessness for so long. It's taken me so long to intentionally, intentionally convince myself and prove to myself that I am worthy, that I am worth investing in, that I am smart, that I am tenacious, and I do not need to live with anyone who hurts me or abuses me for any reason, ever. Now that's a complete and utter hilarious thought to me to think that I would tremble at the feet of someone like him. Period. And why? Because I've had to take that time to convince myself. So that is how you get unstuck from the lies that other people have about you, the lies that have been put on you, the opinions of other people. Maybe it's a parent. It's the worst thing in the entire world to be raised from the time that you're little by people who tell you that you are garbage, that you're worthless, that you're less than. Because those are the first voices you hear. And sometimes it is so deeply rooted from way back when that it feels like the only thing it's impo- that's possible for you to believe is that you're not enough, that you're bad, that you're not smart, that you're not as smart as your brother, that you're never going to make it, that you're an embarrassment. Those messages from parents, those are even deeper because they're from further back. But those you can overcome as well because you are not anything that other people say. You are a supporting character in the story that other people have of their lives. They've, they've written a character for you. And hurt people hurt people. And if you've been hurt and you've been oppressed and held down by the story of other people have put on you, the lies they put on you, how they've talked to you, what they've told you that you are, you can overcome that. You can prove it, you already have. You already have proved it and you can continue to prove it every single day until you die. Not to prove them wrong, but to simply learn how to stand in your power. You have one big, beautiful life. You were created for a purpose. You have life in you. There's a reason for it. And there's a job for you to do. And that job is only possible to be done by you. It is your mission. There's a mission for you. And it's big and beautiful and amazing. And it's going to fulfill you. And it's going to make every day of your life magical and beautiful. And the only way that you can execute all of that is to shake off The lies that have been told to you, the lies that have been put on you, the story other people have about you and say, no, 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 no. Who am I? Who am I? What have I done? What do I possess that has made it possible for me to do all of these things? Write it down. Sit in it. Read it to yourself. Repeat it to yourself. You are magnificent. You are powerful. You are smart. You are capable. You are everything your creator dreamed of, period. And if you have to read it and write it every single day, do it. I do it every single day. I wake up my first thoughts when I'm getting ready in the day is a narrative unto myself. Call myself Chrissy. It's my nickname when I was a little kid. And I talk to myself. 
I encourage myself. I build myself up. Why? Because I have a job to do and I can't do it if I'm doubting myself, if I'm feeling less than, if I'm buried in shame and regret. No, I have to remind myself who I am. I have a mission. I have a job to do. There are people out there that I want to love on, that I want to reach, that I want to empower. And I have to be empowered in order to do that. And so, Kristen, you're amazing. You're strong. Just look at you. Look at how far you've come. Look what you've done by yourself. With courage, with tenacity, you've reached out for help when you've needed it. That took humility. You lifted someone up when they fell down and you didn't have time. That took sacrifice and you used your heart. That's beautiful, Chrissy. That's amazing. This is how you do it. Am I puffing myself up and telling myself I'm so great, I'm so much better than everyone else? No. I'm sitting in my own power and saying, Chrissy, look at you. You are a magnificent, powerful creature. Now go do magnificent, powerful things because that's what you're called to do. We all are. So when we reject the story that other people have given to us, have put on us, have told us, we get a chance to stand in our own beautiful power and be empowered and then go empower others. Show up and be the greatest version of you that you possibly can. And when we can do all of these things, these little top three things, we find that we're not stuck anymore. We're not stuck in fear. We're not stuck in, I don't know what to do with my life. We're not stuck in, you know, I'm worthless. No, we're able to go. So tell yourself a new story. Other people's stories are not about you. Touch your balls every day. (laughs) And get unstuck. Go do the thing. Self-actualize. It's so exciting. 305 day. That's today. Day one. What do you want to do? Who are you? Why are you capable of doing it? Make a list of what you got to do to go and get the thing that you want the most. And start doing it. Being stuck sucks. You're just sitting there in the mud. It's like ball and get deeper and deeper or you're rolling backwards. That sucks. That's no way to live. That's not living. That's sitting. Live is an action verb. We want to action verb live. So we have to be intentional about rejecting the old, grabbing what's in front of us, being, being accountable, being productive, making sure we're showing up every day to get those things done. And just remember, why not you? I really, really would love to hear from some of you what your mission is, what you're called to do. If you haven't started doing it, I would love, love to be some accountability for you, to be some support. I want to hear it. We did not just come to this earth to be born and then live a few years and then die. There's, there's something bigger and better for all of us than just moving air through our nose and out of our mouth. I believe it. And I think most of us have an idea of what, what avenue that calling is. And if you're called to do exactly what you're doing right now and you're just not doing it with confidence, there's a way you can do it with confidence and with integrity and with empowerment. And that is beautiful. I would say when I see people doing the thing that their soul resonates with, it's the most beautiful thing. I remember seeing Megan, it was a trainer at F45 in in Minneapolis. And she's, I think she's the best F45 trainer in Minneapolis. There's a lot of them, a lot of great ones, but She's spectacular and um, she's, she loves to dance and she's got really great moves. And there was this one workout, I will never forget it. I don't remember anything about the day or anything, but I will never forget the image. I looked up from the workout and she was leading the class and she was dancing, cheering someone on and her hair was flying. And I've just never seen anything so beautiful because she was completely in her element. 
Her soul was in charge. She was 100% Megan, and it was stunning. And I saw it last night. My friend Mandy led a cacao and conversation event for our Beyond the Beach wellness series here for the boot camp. And she was leading um, a group discussion about self-love. And she started it with a meditation for us to open our hearts. And the verbiage she used and the tone of her voice and the flow of her movement was so beautiful because she was doing exactly what she's called to do. And this is someone who has done a lot of really big and interesting things around the world. Big, important, very lucrative things around the world. And she's sitting in a little tiny room with eight people leading a conversation. All of us left that room changed. Our hearts were opened, our souls connected. And that was the most important thing that she could have possibly done yesterday. And it was beautiful. And her soul was in charge. So when you are operating from the truest, deepest part of you, doing the thing that you are called to do, whether it is a giant corporate gig around the world or sitting in a little tiny room with eight people bringing their hearts together, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to be all the things that your heart and soul are being called to do. And when you do that, there's nothing more fulfilling and there's nothing more beautiful and we need you. So let's all get unstuck a little bit more. We're all going to touch our balls every day. (laughs) We're all going to reject those stories that other people have put on ourselves. And we're going to start answering the question, why not me? Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. If you want to interact with me, go ahead and send me an email, Kristen at kristensmithonline.com. Follow me on Instagram, The Kristen Experience, and make sure you share this podcast with a friend. That's all I have for you today. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next time here on Destination Begin.